Hey everybody, this is Hunter Howard. I'm the lead pastor of Encounter Church. Here at Encounter Church, our vision is helping people encounter God. And that's what I pray and hope for you today, that you will encounter God through this message. Enjoy. Let's go. Who's ready for some more joy? Who was with us last Sunday? Come on, turn, turn to somebody and say, joy, joy, joy. How about you sing it to him like Pete the Parrot? Ready? Joy, joy, joy. How about the Ren and Stimpy version? Happy, happy, joy, joy, happy, happy, joy. Right. You know, we learned all about joy last Sunday, and we're going to continue our Joy to the World theme this morning. And you know, I couldn't end 2020, our whole year, right? The whole year's theme has been a has been called solid. We've been learning biblical foundations for strong disciples all year long. If you've been with us, you have learned that practicing many have been with us. Practicing God's word makes me strong. All year long we've been learning that it's knowing and doing God's word. Practicing God's word that makes us strong, that makes us solid. And to finish out this year I couldn't do Christmas without doing a message called Solid Joy. All right? Do you want shaky joy? Or do you want solid joy? Before that, this morning, we're going to go back to Isaiah 9, which is where we uh, read last Sunday. And just a reminder, as we look back at Isaiah chapter 9, this was written by the prophet Isaiah about 700 years before Christ, okay? So the words that Isaiah spoke and that were written were prophetic about, about many things in his day, but much of what Isaiah prophesied was about the coming of the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer that they were awaiting, right? But when in Isaiah's time period, it was at the time that the exile was about to happen and actually did happen in Isaiah's lifetime, okay? What was the exile? Well, the exile was a period of time of, it's like a second period of slavery for the people of Israel, right? We know that they had been slaves in Egypt and God had delivered them out of Egypt with signs and wonders and miracles and plagues and the parting of the Red Sea and all that stuff. And God had formed the nation of Israel by delivering them from slavery out of Egypt. And he called them to love him and to serve him but for generation after generation after generation, they rejected God. They rejected his word. There were periods of time when they would sort of kind of get it and they would worship. But very, very quickly, they would forget who God is and what he had done for them. How he had delivered them out of slavery. And again and again and again, they would turn their back on God and they would reject him. And God began to send them prophets. Come on, say prophets. A prophet, well... I could give a big long explanation for that, but basically a prophet, especially an Old Testament prophet, was simply someone who was urging people to come back to God. Come back to me. Basically all the messages of the prophets could be summarized as that. You've turned away from me and I'm calling you come back to me, right? But Israel again and again rejected God's invitation to turn their hearts back to him. And you know what he told them? I'm going to keep giving you chances. I'm going to keep sending you prophets. 
I'm going to keep showing myself strong. But if you persist in rejecting me, I am going to allow you to once again be invaded, conquered, and carted off basically as slaves again. And we call this period of history the exile, right? They were exiled to Babylon where they were slaves. So why is that important? Because Isaiah chapter 9, pretty much the whole book of Isaiah was written in this time period when they were about to be and they were beginning to be carried off as slaves, okay? So let's go to Isaiah 9. Again, we read this uh, last week. It was a time of gloom and doom. Can anybody identify? (laughs) A, A very dark, seemingly hopeless time in history. But as we'll see... And as we learned last Sunday, the coming of the Messiah was going to change everything. Okay, so let's go. Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Can anybody say hallelujah today to that? Man, I want to grab a hold of that word for this year. This time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. Forever, And this was a promise to Israel even before Christ came. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humble. But there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. The Amplified translation of the Bible says, you will multiply their joy. Does anybody want your joy multiplied this morning? Okay. Then it says, "Then then, uh, they will rejoice before you as people Rejoice, and that was where we were last Sunday. Come on, somebody say, joy, joy, joy. The more you say it, the more you smile, right? Come on, let me see you smile. Say, joy, joy, joy. Can you give somebody the gift of a smile next to you? Turn to them and say, joy, joy, joy. Did you know physiologically in your brain when you smile, something actually happens? It's very powerful. But smiling takes a lot of muscles. (laughs) God's desire, his heart for us is to have joy, to rejoice. At the harvest like warriors uh, dividing the plunder, for you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's Rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. There'll be fuel for the fire. And here we go. For a child is born to us. A child. Not just any child. A child. The child. And to whom is he born? To us. He was going to come as one of us. Later we get to know Jesus as the son of God and the son of man. He was born to us as one of us. A son is given to us. And the government will rest upon his shoulders. And he, who? 
The child, right? We know he's Jesus. Will be called. Here we go. The child will be called. Get, 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 get that, let's get that in, in, in our head before we read the next phrase. The child is going to be called these next four things. Wonderful counselor. The child will be called mighty God. The child will be called everlasting father. And the child will be called prince of peace. His government and its peace will never end. Again, the Amplified translation says the increase of his government and its peace will never end. See, the influence of Jesus in the world is not decreasing, my friends. It is increasing. Even if, even if it feels like the opposite, the influence of Jesus in the world is increasing. I told you last Sunday, there are more born-again, spirit-filled Christians on planet Earth right now than any other time in history. The increase of his government and its peace, it's just Increasing and increasing and increasing more and more and more. He will rule with fairness and justice, very important, from the throne of his ancestor David. We're going to come back to that today for all eternity. And the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. Joy to the, the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. My favorite part is let every heart prepare him room. See, true, lasting, solid joy is reserved only for those of us that make room in our hearts for the king. Last Sunday, we talked a little bit about the difference between happiness and joy. How many of us know it's different, right? You ever been happy one minute and sad the next? You ever been happy one minute and mad the next? See, happiness is just an emotion. It's a feeling. It comes and goes based on circumstances, right? There are things that make us happy. There are things that make us sad. There are things that make us mad, right? Happiness is just a feeling, but joy is an attitude. And an attitudes are our decisions. So we could say happiness is a feeling, but joy is a decision. It's an attitude that we assume as we decide to have it. And happiness is just the result of circumstances, but joy, we found out last week, and we're going to look more into it today, is the result of a relationship. Happiness is the result of circumstances that... We know circumstances are always what? Changing, right? Some circumstances change from month to month, week to week. Some circumstances change from minute to minute, right? Like a couple of seconds ago, there wasn't a child crying. But I guarantee you, some mom or dad circumstances just changed when they heard their baby cry. 
Circumstances change. But you can have a relationship with God that is solid and unchanging. And if I have a solid relationship with God, with the king that we make room for in our hearts, right? That we're going to learn about more today. If I have a solid relationship with him and that relationship is my source of joy, then no matter what circumstances happen, no matter how circumstances change, I can have a joy that remains intact and stays solid. That's the kind of joy you were created to possess. That's the kind of joy God created you to live with. He wants you. God wants you and invites you into a joy that cannot be changed by circumstances. Listen, you can have joy even when you're sad. We can have joy even when we're mad. You can have joy even when you've lost something or someone. That doesn't mean it's easy, but joy is a decision. It's an attitude, and we can have a solid, secure joy even as circumstances change through life. Because how many of us have found out so far, life isn't always easy. <sighs> Last Sunday, we learned about three gifts, because it's Christmas, right? Three gifts we receive when we have a relationship with Jesus. So when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you receive, according to Isaiah 9, three gifts. We talked about them. Anybody remember what they were? These gifts produce joy in our life. Can anybody remember the first one? We just read it again. Let there be light. No, we're not there yet. <laughs> light. We learned that a relationship with Jesus provides us light. Isaiah 9 says, a light will shine. A great light will shine, right, for those who walk in darkness. And we learned that the light represents the word of God, right? The word of God, allowing the word of God in us, right, and obeying the word of God. It's the light, and that light produces joy. Jesus taught that. We also learned the other gift was freedom. Freedom. We talked about the, the reality that slavery is sad and freedom is joyful, right? And that Jesus sets us free from the slavery of sin. And when we receive that freedom, we receive joy. And we learned also the third gift that we receive from a relationship with Jesus is perspective. Light, freedom, and perspective. And we learned, all right, maybe turn to your neighbor and say, get your eyes on the right king. We need to learn to see life and the world from the perspective of the word of God. And the word of God says the increase of his government will never end. I told you my joy perspective is no matter what happens, I win. And I like to win. Some of you really like to win. I know some of you real competitive folks, right? Why is everybody saying RJ? 
Uh, you, you want to know another one? She's sitting right there. Her name is Letty. She likes to win, okay? Don't, don't ever play a board game or a card game or anything with her because if she doesn't win, it's not a happy place, all right? She happens to be my mother-in-law, so I might get in trouble later, all right? But listen, Jesus already won, and we learned that all the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of our God, and he will rule, and he will reign forever and ever, and if I serve him, I win. It doesn't matter what happened because life is hard. Bad things sometimes happen. But even though bad things sometimes happen, it doesn't matter what happens. If you're in Christ, in the end, you win. Light, freedom, and perspective. But today, see, those are gifts that we get from a relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to take a few minutes and talk, just talk about the actual relationship himself, who he is. Are we ready? Because this is truly our source of joy. We get gifts from that relationship, light, freedom, and perspective. But light, freedom, and perspective only come if we have the actual relationship with him. And we have to know him, right? Just before I get to my first point, I have a question I want to ask you. Have you ever gotten to know somebody? And the more you get to know them, the more joy they bring to your life. Liz looked at me and smiled and said, yes. So did my mom. <laughs> so did my aunt. So did my mother-in-law. Right? <laughs> no. <laughs> Let me ask it again. Because I want you to think about it. Have you ever gotten to know somebody? And the more you get to know them, the more joy they produce in your life. Some of you are thinking, I can think of the opposite. <laughs> right? Whew, the more I get to know them, it, no, it's not joy, right? I just want to come at you today from the Word of God with two simple points. And the first one is this. Joy, now we can go there, thank you guys, is the result of knowing God. Joy is the result of knowing God. In fact, the more we know Him, I didn't say know about Him. A lot of people know about him. There's this angel that fell from heaven and is banished forever from the presence of God, right, named Satan. He knows a lot about God. I didn't say you Joy doesn't come from knowing about God. Well, it's a good start. <laughs> we should know about God. But joy is the result of actually knowing God. Knowing him personally. Maybe you're new to this. Maybe you're new to our church or maybe you're new to the gospel, this, this whole message. Let me tell you, God doesn't just want you to know about him. He wants you to know him. You can know God personally. The more we get to know him, the stronger and deeper our joy grows. Solid joy. You want shaky joy? Just know about him. You want solid joy? Know God. Know Him intimately and personally. He is inviting us to know and experience Himself in a personal way. Now, God is so much bigger and more than we could ever describe, right? 
I can't give you in one Christmas message everything you should get to know as you get to know God. But how about, listen, in reality, we'll never finish getting to know him. Thank God for eternity. It's going to take that long, right? We'll never finish getting to know him in this life. But Isaiah, as he reveals the coming of the Savior, the Messiah, who we call Christ, Jesus, he gives us four sort of identities of Jesus, okay, that God is inviting us, and I really felt the Holy Spirit saying this. I'm inviting my people to get to know me in these four ways this Christmas, right? we got to get to know God. And the first one is this, wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor. Jesus is the wonderful counselor. Have you ever had a great counselor? Now, be it. Be it a professional counselor or simply, listen, simply a wise friend who just could see your situation clearly and knew exactly what you needed to hear. You ever had one of those? A good counselor. Some of you are looking like, nope. You ever had a friend or a parent or an actual counselor that they could see so clearly what maybe you couldn't see yourself? And all it took was a sentence or a, a little conversation, and boom, they knew exactly what to tell you, and you could see clearly. And maybe you recovered some joy in your life, right? Let me tell you, God is a thousand times better than any good counselor we could ever have. Than the closest friend who knows us the best and knows what we need to hear and sees the real us and sees our situation clearly. He sees it a thousand million billion times better, right? He's the wonderful counselor. Jesus said in John chapter 15, verses 24 and 25, I have told you these things while I'm still with you. But the helper, and this is what helper means. This is the Amplified Bible, okay? Helper means comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby. Come on, somebody. That's a good counselor right there. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in, my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He's the spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, right? He will teach you all things. Anybody want to learn all things? Okay. And he will help you remember everything that I have told you. See, sometimes that's what counselors have to do. Sometimes counselors or good friends have to remind us of what we already know. And we've just lost sight of it. Sometimes counselors or good friends help us to discover new things we didn't know yet. But let me tell you this. There is someone who knows you better than anybody else knows you. 
No one else could ever know you this intimately. And he sees your life and he sees your circumstances. He sees your family. He sees your relationships. He sees your needs. He sees your entire situation and environment it's crystal clear. And he knows exactly what to tell you and how to guide you. He's a wonderful counselor. And he invites you and me to get to know him. How wonderful. Knowing the wonderful counselor. We got to get to know him, though. True joy comes from knowing him. What's the other thing? The second thing, Isaiah 9 says that Jesus is mighty God. I don't know about you, but I find great joy in the fact that I don't serve a weak, incapable God. I don't serve a religion or a philosophy. I don't just serve some nice ideas. I don't serve a God who used to be powerful. Everything he used to be, he still is. And he'll always be. I don't serve. And if you serve the living God, if you serve the Lord Jesus Christ, you don't serve a weak, incapable God. We serve a mighty God. In fact, he's almighty God. He is Elohim. He's Yahweh. We sang about him. He's the great I am. He's the ancient of days. He's the one who spoke everything into existence just by the breath of his mouth. He's a mighty God. And I want to tell you today, if all you know of God is just the idea that he's mighty, he wants you to know his power in your life in a reality. He's a mighty God. He can do anything. Jesus actually said, for those of us that believe, anything is possible. Not because we're awesome, but because of the one we believe in. He's a mighty God. Not sure yet, Jeremiah 32. Oh, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and earth by your strong hand and powerful arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. Nothing is too hard for him. You show unfailing love to thousands, but you also bring the consequences of one generation's sin upon the next. You are the great and powerful God, the Lord of heaven's armies. You have all wisdom and do great and mighty miracles. You see the conduct of all people and you give them what they deserve. You perform miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Things still remembered to this day. In fact, I just remembered what he did in Egypt a few minutes ago, right? His great and mighty acts are still remembered to this day. And you have continued to do great miracles in Israel and all around the world. You have made your name famous to this day. Then this message came to Jeremiah from the Lord. I am the Lord, the God of all the peoples of the world. Is there anything too hard for me? Oh, come on. Anybody? Do I have any kids church teachers that aren't in kids church that can help me with this? Come on, I need, somebody to, I need somebody to help me and stand up and show him this. Come on, somebody. Our God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing our God cannot do. Oh, wait. That's one of the songs our kids sing, right? You want to sing it? If you don't want to sing it, let's sing it anyway. I think I even have the words for you here. Ready? 
Our God is so, so strong. It's in there. There it is. All right. Ready? Our God is so big, so strong. Come show us, Pastor Alice. Come on. Okay, okay, okay. All right. Ready? Our God is so big, so strong. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Listen, He still delivers, He still heals. He does. He still heals. He still provides. Woo! There's nothing our God cannot do. Why doesn't it seem like he does it all the time? I don't know. If you have the answer to that, cool. You're probably wrong. There are some things we'll never understand. That's not the point. What we do know about him is revealed in his word. I'm not saying sometimes things don't happen the way we think they ought to happen. God doesn't always do exactly what we think he's going to do. But there's nothing he cannot do. And he definitely still saves. He still delivers. He still heals. He still provides. He's still the miracle working God. And he wants to show himself mighty in your life. And that'll mean something different for each one of us. The one thing it means for all of us, we all have to know him as our mighty savior. He is mighty to save us from sin, the consequences of sin, and the dominion of sin. He's mighty. He wants to save you, deliver you, heal you, provide for you. He's a mighty God. He also is not only wonderful counselor, mighty God, but he's the everlasting father. Everlasting father. Nothing brings me personally of all of this greater joy to knowing I have a father whose perfect love endures. It endures. I love the fact that the Bible says his love endures because endures implies endurance, right? It means his love just keeps on going and going. and go It never runs out. It never grows cold. It never grows weak. It endures through everything we endure. It endures through the good. It endures through the bad. It endures through the ugly. The love of God, his gracious love, his loving kindness endures forever. I don't know what you're enduring in life right now, but I can tell you this. His love is right there with you. He's the everlasting father, and his love is everlasting. And in every circumstance and season and in every situation of life, his love is just trucking right along with you. Oh, even better, his love is already out in front of you. He already knows what you're going to have to endure. And his love is already there because he's the everlasting father from eternity 
to eternity, from everlasting to everlasting. He is the everlasting Father, and His love endures forever. Romans 8, verse 14 through 16, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba. Can you say Abba? Abba means father, but in an affectionate way. Like daddy or dad or papa or however you, whatever you call your, or diddy, right? Whatever you call your father, right? You got to be from real deep south to call him Diddy. <laughs> Diddy. All right. Come on, say Abba. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we're God's children. Not just his creation. In fact, the masterpiece of his creation. Not just his servants, but daughters and sons. The first thing you become when you are born again into the family of God, the first thing you become is a daughter or a son. You become a child of God. Everything else is because of that right there. The relationship that's born when we receive Jesus Christ, he says it's like being born again. The relationship that comes from that is the relationship of father to child. Listen, I don't serve God because I look at myself as a servant or a slave. I serve God because he's my father and I love him and I count it a privilege to serve the one I love. His spirit, the Holy Spirit, joins with our spirit. And he literally on the inside is telling you, you're my son. You're my daughter. You say, can you feel it? You can feel it. <laughs> you can hear him. You can hear him tell you who you really are. God wants you to know him as your father question today he is the everlasting father have you got to know him as your father has he become your father because it's only through christ that you can know god as father if you don't know god as your father you can right now today by turning your heart to him turning away from sin turn your heart to god believe that jesus came for you died for you rose for you make jesus the lord and king of your life and he'll you'll get to know him as your father the final thing that isaiah calls him is we have wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father and then we have prince of peace i love the way c.s lewis said it he said peace is not the absence of conflict it's the presence of jesus Let me let that one just land, all right? Peace is not the absence of conflict. If that were what peace depended on, ain't no peace. 
Peace is not the absence of conflict. Jesus promised we will have tribulation and challenges and trials and conflicts and all that. Right? Peace is the presence of Jesus inside of us. Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, I've told you these things so that in me, come on, say, in me. See, it's in him. It's his presence. It's his presence on the inside of us. It's us in him, right? So that in me, you may have perfect peace. In other words, a peace like this joy that's not dependent just on circumstances, but that abides, that's there, that's solid right on the inside of us. See, in this world, you will have tribulation and distress and suffering. You ought to say amen, because it's true. (laughs) That's not a negative prophecy. That's Jesus' words. In this world, we will have tribulation and distress and suffering. But be courageous, he says. Be confident. Be undaunted. Be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished. My victory is abiding, right? Ah, Jesus. We don't have peace because things are easy. Because, again, that would limit peace to a few days here and there, right? When's the last time you had an easy day? I remember I was seven years old. <laughs> When's the last time you didn't have a day that at least had some sort of trial, tribulation, truff, uh, truffling, shuff, sh- shuffling, suffering? I have a trial right now with my tongue. All right. <laughs> we don't have peace because things are easy. We have peace because even though sometimes life is hard, we know the one who is the overcomer. And he lives by his spirit inside our spirit. We just read it. His spirit joins with our spirit. You know, kids, in kids' church, we say, is Jesus in your heart? And some people kind of think, oh, that's just a cliche. No, literally, the Bible says the spirit of Christ joins with our spirit. He literally is, if you've been born again, if you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, he literally is on the inside of you. His presence is in there. And sometimes we're looking for peace on the outside, and we forgot to look where it really is. His presence. We get peace from his presence. Joy flows as we constantly access peace from the inward presence of Jesus. I've even seen Christians who are like, I just need to find peace. And they're like trying to feel, I don't know, like trying to find the presence of God. And they forgot where it already is. 
Sometimes the presence of God manifests, yes, like we felt, who felt the presence of God this morning in the room as we worshiped him, right? His presence comes in a tangible way sometimes when we come together like, like that. But let me tell you where his presence always is, and you can always access it. Sometimes we just have to chill out, slow down enough, and access it. We have to go there. Go where? In there. <laughs> you say, what do you mean? Just try it. You'll see what I mean. Go there. Talk to him. Listen. He'll speak to you. He'll let you know he's there. We access real peace from the prince of peace that lives on the inside of us. Joy is the result of knowing God. The more we know him, the stronger and deeper our joy grows. Don't just know about him. You got to know him. That's where solid joy comes from. The second part of this relationship I want to point out, and this is going to be very brief, but very powerful. First of all, joy is the result of knowing God. But second of all, joy is the result of worshiping God. Worshiping God is a fountain of joy. I want to point out one more truth from Isaiah chapter 9. In fact, I know this may be tough, but if we could go back to the very end of Isaiah 9, those last few verses there. Um, it says, where he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of David. From the throne of David. Jesus' rule, Jesus as king, right, rules seated on the throne of worship. Okay? It says he will rule seated on the throne of David. What is the throne of David? When the Bible refers to the throne of David, it's more than just the lineage of David. It's what David brought to the world for the very first time. David brought to the people of Israel and to the world, actually, something that was really going to be reserved for us. Okay? David actually tapped into something that wasn't going to become fully available until Jesus came. But he tapped into real worship from the heart. Up until the time of David... Since the time of Adam and Eve, worship basically consisted of religious sacrifices and obeying a law, the law of God, right? Yeah. Worship up until the time of David had to do with sacrificing the right way, the right animals, and doing it, in the, the right priest having to do it on the right altar, and, and the, uh, the, the tabernacle be put up right and, you know, not, you know, not eating pork and this and that and the, all these laws and stuff. Worship was just about doing stuff. And we learn that they couldn't do it. 
right? They couldn't do it. That's because that's not worship. That was just like a very limited form of worship to show us real worship. They couldn't do it because their heart wasn't in it. But David, David, listen, it's almost like he got special permission from God. <laughs> we, we read about David and he says, he is after my heart, right? And David was all about singing. <laughs> he wrote most of the Psalms. And about being off in this secret place with God. Nothing to do with sacrifices or a temple or a tabernacle. Or, no, he was off taking care of sheep and doing all this stuff. And he, was, he would write these songs. He would sing to God. And he would pray. It was worship from the heart. Jesus later called it worship in spirit and in truth, right? And, 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 and God actually allowed David to bring to Israel this type of worship that was singing. Worship is the best way to relate to God. But not religious rote. Not just going through religious motions. Worship, when God says, David is after my heart, it had very little to do with the singing and the instruments and all that. It had to do with the fact that he did it with his heart. Worship is the way we best relate to God. Worship positions me to experience all God is. Worship is positioning my heart before God and recognizing who he is and thanking him and loving him and honoring him. And yes, sometimes you can sing. <laughs> Say, I don't like to sing. Well, talk. Just tell him. Worship. You say, I don't know how to get to know God. Well, first of all, we get to know him through his word. Right? But the other way we get to know him is through worship. I've gotten to know God through worshiping him in a deep way. Because worship puts me in the right position and him in the right position. Right? When I worship God, I recognize him for who he is. And when I recognize him for who he is, I get to know him. And as I get to know him, I get joy. Joy is the result of knowing God. And as we get to know God, joy comes as we worship God for who he is, right? A life of worship is a fountain of joy. And I say all of this because I really believe we ought to go into Christmas and this upcoming year with a renewed passion for worship. Who wants your passion for worship renewed? 
2021, I don't want to worship him less. I want to worship him more and better. 2021, I don't want to know him the same I know him now. This Christmas, I don't want to know him just as much as I've known him thus far. I want to know him more. I want to know him better. And I want to worship him more and better. That's where joy comes from, from that relationship. Do you have that relationship? Because in just a moment, we're going to end with worship. See, I want to go into Christmas. I want to end our service today by worshiping him, by lifting him up, by giving glory to him. And I believe that as we do, joy is going to fill our hearts, going to fill the room. And we're going to be able to go into this Christmas season after a hard year, but with solid joy. Because we're his worshipers. But as we get ready to end in worship, first of all, do you know him? Do you more than just know about him? Do you know the wonderful counselor? Do you know the mighty God? Do you know him as your father, the everlasting father? Do you know him as the prince of peace? If you don't, you can. You ought to. It's the best. God created you. For joy. But joy only comes from knowing and worshiping God. As we get ready for this, for the end of the service, I want to ask you something. I know when we get ready to close, it's easy to stand up and kind of get distracted and move around and go outside, go to the bathroom or worry about your kids or go get hot chocolate. <laughs> okay. Just for another couple of minutes, could I ask that as we stand, let's just stay where we are, not move around, not get distracted, because I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful in our hearts so we can all stand. Today, if you don't know him, you can. If you've never been born again. In fact, you know, we don't always do this, but I want to ask if everyone would just maybe bow your head and close your eyes. This is so important. It's so important that you take a good and honest look on the inside. I'm not going to point you out. I'm not going to make you come up to the front or anything like that. But some of you today need to make a move towards God. You need to make a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Maybe you've never been born again. Maybe you don't know God as your father. Maybe you're still lost in your sins. Today, he wants to forgive you. He wants to save you. He wants to give you a brand new heart, a brand new life. 
Again, he calls it being born again. And when you receive Jesus, the Bible says when we repent of our sins, when we turn away from our sinful life and we turn our heart over to him, we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord, we're born again, we're saved, we're brought into the, uh, the family of God. And God becomes our Father. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you need to be born again. Maybe you need to surrender your life to Jesus for the first time. Or maybe, maybe you know Jesus, but you have not been following Jesus. Maybe you've been backslidden. Today it's time to come home. And right now, again, with every eye closed, just quickly, if you say, that's me, that's me. Again, I'm not gonna make you come up here or anything, but I want you to just make a movement towards God. If you say, that's me, I need to be born again. I need to be saved. Or I've been backslidden, I've been far from God, and today I wanna come home. If that's you, just pop your hand up and down real quick. I wanna know who you are, okay. Who else says, that's me? Anybody else? Praise God. Once you've raised your hand, you can put it back down if you want. Anybody else says, that's me. I need to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord. I need to repent of my sins. I need to be born again. Or I used to follow Jesus and I'm not following him right now, but I want to again. You want to come back home. Anybody else? Oh, Jesus. Just before we worship him to close our service today, there are no magic words I can pray and you can repeat. But if you'll call on him from your heart, if you'll just call on him from your heart, he will hear you. He will forgive you. He will cleanse you. He will set you free. He will save you. If you've been backslidden and you're coming back home, he'll receive you with open arms. Come on, let's just call on the Lord Jesus. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I invite you to pray your own prayer. Make it personal. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming for me. Thank you that you left your throne of glory and you are born unto us. You came as one of us. You came to live for me. You came to die for me. You became the perfect sacrifice for my sins. Jesus, you paid the price so that I could be forgiven, so that I could be set free. Jesus, oh God, I don't deserve your love yet you love me with an everlasting love. I don't deserve forgiveness, yet Jesus, you shed your blood to totally forgive me, to erase my sins. Jesus, I've messed my life up, but you gave your life so that I could get a new one. Jesus, today, I turn away from sin. I turn away from living life my own way, and I confess you as my Lord, Jesus, I declare today you're the Lord of my life. Save me. I surrender to you. Come on, we can all pray that. Jesus, I surrender to you. King Jesus, I surrender to you. King Jesus, I surrender to you. I surrender my heart. I surrender my mind. I surrender my life. I surrender my family. I surrender my plans. I surrender my future. Oh, Jesus, I surrender all to you. 
because you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that you are the Lord of lords and the King of kings to the glory of God the Father. And today you are my King and we praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I really believe God spoke to you through his word today and is moving in your life. If you'd like more information about Encounter Church or you'd like to give your tithes and offerings, you can visit our website at EncounterChurchAtlanta.org. I'd also like to invite you to share this message on social media. Thanks again.